on, it's host your boy, George McKay, and this is the MLW Rewind. And I never do it alone. I could never do it alone. Please help me welcome my PIC, Uncle Bobby V. What's up? What's going on, brother? Oh, you know, sitting at home in a onesie. Uh, yeah, just, you know, I got to go back to work, like, into work in the middle of May, and it's been, like, two weeks, two, excuse me, years of working from home, so... I'm not looking forward to this. I can't wear onesie to, to the office. You know what I mean? What about casual Fridays? No, my, my office actually doesn't. Every day is casual day. It's just like dress for your day. So it's like if you're in the office, you're not seeing any customers where you can wear like jeans and a shirt, you're fine. But no, we're not even allowed to wear like yoga pants. Wow. So I can't wear my Lululemon lemon pants. It's very frustrating. Yeah, I can see that being a little bit more painful than uh, not wearing the onesie for sure. <laughs> Onesies are great, man. No waistband. I'm just like flopping around in here. It's fantastic. Anyway, speaking of flopping around. There was a lot of flopping around today. Do you know what? Today's episode, I got to say, I thoroughly enjoyed it from beginning to end. It was entertaining as it always is. Steady incline upwards as we get to like the end of a season. And uh, we know that MLW Azteca Underground is returning shortly. So this series of fusion episodes is wrapping up. But they uh, they killed it today. Uh, right off the hop, we got promos from Max Drupiger and Jacob for two. Kind of vignettes, if you will. Talking about this Stairway to Hell match that's going to happen tonight in the main event. We also get a recap of CD's uh, you know, uh, vignette from last week. If Hammer does not show up tonight, the title will be vindicated. Caesar. Yeah, like the gonna- salad. Yeah, sees that. CDs, uh, you know, uh, recap on that. And the decision is going to be tonight. If Hammer does not show, then uh, the MLW Heavyweight Championship is... If Hammer doesn't show, then the title's got to go. Oh, nice. Wow, I like that. That's good. That's good. That's well played. Well played pun on words. If it doesn't fit, you must to quit. All right. Okay. I think we've reached our pinnacle now on the the rhyming words. Uh, Gangrel and Killer Cross are going to debut tonight. And uh, right off the bat, we get Bud Heavy's in the ring, and he is going one-on-one with Killer Cross. Not a surprise that this match lasted under three minutes. Now, I give Bud Heavy credit where credit's due. Uh, I mean, the last time we saw him, he was the eight-second man against Low Key. He lasted like under 45 seconds against, I can't remember who else. But this was about three minutes. Now, mind you, this was three minutes, including Killer Cross's entrance. And uh, in the beginning, he told Bud Heavy, you know, just to relax. Put his arms behind his back. He goes, I'm going to give you two shots, two free shots. So Bud Heavy winds up, catches him square in the jaw. Doesn't even phase cross at all. Just says, that's one. <laughs> Bud Heavy winds up again. Doesn't phase cross. Bud Heavy kind of backs off. And he's greeted with a giant boot to the face. Then a Scioto suplex. And an elbow to the back of the head, which knocks Bud Heavy unconscious in the middle of the ring. Cross gives him a couple more shots in the back of the head for his trouble. And he's out cold. Cross wins due to referee stoppage. So, uh... <clears throat> Yeah, he did when due to referee stoppage. I think they they mentioned on commentary that 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 uh, like forearm to the back of the head is called the quickening, and not sure if you know that reference. You're gonna watch Highlander uh, before next week is out. Uh, that's that's a reference to the Highlander films because you have to cut off uh, an, another Highlander's head, and you be you know it's called the quickening when they all get anyways. It's a reference to Highlander, so I like that. It's kind of an obscure. Also, the first like three minutes of Highlander, the film, uh, the fabulous Freebirds are in the ring. It takes place at like a wrestling thing. So 
just watch the first few minutes if you haven't even seen it. Not just you, George. We're talking to our listeners too. Highlander, check I it out. You have never. This may surprise a lot of people because I am a movie aficionado. I have not seen the Highlander movies, any of them. Uh, so uh, uh, you only want to watch the first one. The the rest are not worth. But I mean, hey, Sean Connery's in it, so it's, it's good. And that. Uh, Christopher Lambert. I couldn't remember his name. I, I kept thinking Christopher Walken, but obviously I know that's not Christopher Walken. Christopher Lambert. He was the original Raiden. Yeah. Christopher Lambert, man. He is Raiden, and there's you know some lightning happens in the in this shit too. It's actually a really good, really good flick, and uh, it's worth checking out. But aside from this digression, uh, I just really hope Cross is going to come back for more like matches because if you were only bringing him in for like a one shot deal, then that was a waste, in my opinion. Just have him come out squash butt heavy. No, uh, I, I don't think so because they they were building him up for a while. I'm pretty sure he signed, but obviously leaving him open for any dates or possible returns elsewhere. MLW is pretty good about lending their talent out, so I don't think yeah he signed full out to a to a deal. Well, I, he's he's part of uh, control your narrative, but yeah. we won't we won't. Excuse me, sorry, Bobby didn't get a lot of sleep today. We won't touch on control your narrative. We're we're talking about MLW and. Yeah, it, got to hand it to Bud Heavy, though. Like, he goes out, he gets his payday, but he worked. He, he bumps, he sells. Like, it's not, he's he's not, you can tell he's not one of those guys that's like, oh, I'm just going to go, like, flop around for a couple of minutes, get my payday. Like, he actually works, knowing he's only going in there for a short period of time. He's going to lose the match. He still goes in there and gives it his all, and I really respect that about Bud Heavy. Um, so, it kind of sucks they just throw him into these uh, squash oh, matches. Uh, situations. Yeah. Often. Often, not not all the time, but often. Uh, and it's unfortunate, but you know what? I don't think he cares. I think he's just happy to be in there, to be honest. And good for Bud Heavy. So this was a build-up cross as a monster. He's not, didn't even, he didn't pin Bud Heavy. He knocked out, the referee stopped the match. Bud Heavy was non-responsive. So they they talked about the uh, pancreas. Uh Stuff that he uh, took inspiration of, which, as you know, is Minoru Suzuki was one of the founders of that back in the day. It was like worked shoot fights, but barely any of them were worked. It's pretty much just shoot fights. Uh, so they they referenced some of that. So they had, you know, commentary team had their background. It was as far as matches go, you know, it wasn't a spectacular. It was a it was a match to build cross as you know, who he's going to be in this MLW run. Absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse uh, me. You know, for his trouble. Uh, as he's leaving the ring, the crowd's like, one more, one more. And he goes back in the ring, and he hits another Sayuda suplex on Bud. And, uh, yeah, at that point, like Poor said, Bud. <clears throat> Bud Heavy sells it like a champ. And uh, dominance is definitely uh, showing early. Uh, we know this was a match to build up Cross. And uh, where the run's going, I'm not sure. But, hey, man, I'm excited for the ride. We also get another Dominance promo. is on the agenda. Absolutely. We also get another promo from the Von Erics. And the Mortons, that's right. All four of them are together, kind of yakking it up on history and also talking about how there's a great taco place right around the corner from the Dallas Arena. So they all go to get some tacos. And we also learned some breaking news uh, in the show tonight that the first featherweight champ for the women's division will be crowned at some point this summer. Apparently women from all over uh, this great world are going to come together for a tournament of some kind, and we're going to crown that first champion. Now, I'm assuming the first champion will be someone we've already seen on MLW quite a few times. Could be, you know, Delmi Exo, could be Ashley Vox, could be Willow, 
could be Hall of Dead. There's many options. Uh, could be somebody that we're not even sure. Could also be Gordy. Miranda Gordy, she had her uh, debut last week, as we talked about. So you know what? I mean, the, uh, the world is their oyster with who they decide to put that strap on for the first inaugural featherweight champ. But uh, that's very cool to hear. Uh, also, we know that uh, as that's being announced, one of the announcers, commentators, got a note saying that CD and Holiday are going to be making a statement and they are both heading out to the ring. Now, Holiday's walking the ring. He's looking rather chipper. Stops by uh, CD's office, if you will. And uh, who's there to greet him? But St. Laurent, they're talking about Microman. And he's talking, you know what? Not only do I have Microman and the consumers love him, but I also got an idea for Micro Coffee. So we should talk. Holiday says, you know what? I like it. Hit me up. Send the deeds to my father slash lawyer. And we'll see what we can do. And then he walks by one of CD's henchmen. And he says, Julio, looking good. I like it. And then he walks out to the ring. And as his music hits, you know, diamonds are forever's blaring. And who's there to greet him? But Alexander Hammerstone, he shows. So the title will not be vacated. And he rocks Holiday's world. Uh, gives him a good shot. Send him in the back. And as he's trying to get a hold of him, CD's, you know, guy gets in the way. And the coat comes off. Now, remember the details about this because there's more layers of clothing that will be shed as the episode goes on. But right now, the coat was ripped into quite easily by Hammer and Holiday kind of escaped, if you will. Uh, then we get another great vignette promo, if you will. Los Parks. They're cooking at the restaurant, the cantina, talking about how good cooking it up. Food. They're talking about how good their food is and how great their restaurant is. Then one of the consumers, if you will, comes up and says, hey, man, I can't eat this. It's not gluten-free. Los Parks looks at it and says, oh, no problem. Sanitizes his hands and then begins to stick the sandwich in the consumer's face and they beat him unconscious. And then at the end of the promo, he says, don't forget to review us on Yelp. I mean, uh, you can't eat this. There's gluten in it. No problem. Let me remove the gluten and shove it into your face a pretty reasonable response and uh this segment made me hungry it was pretty hilarious and uh yeah don't know what else to say about that like it was it was a nice little little promo i, I thoroughly enjoyed it absolutely and now we get another match on the card it's uh Marles garvin bud heavy's counterpart he's come out to ring he's got a mic in his hand he's pretty pissed off he's talking about how mlw has been sending him nothing but pansies and he was promised fights. So they better send a good guy out to fight with the beefster. Yes, that's what he calls himself, the beefster. And if they don't, then he's never coming back. And whose music hits? Ah, but Gangrel. Gangrel comes out. You know what? For a man his age, looking pretty good. Walking a little stiff, mind you. I know he's had a lot of knee problems as the years have gotten older. And it showed in this match as he was kind of walking around and stumbling around. His knees definitely were... He looked like he was uncomfortable in terms of just walking based on, you know, previous nagging injuries and stuff. But I'll give, excuse me, I'll give Narl's credit where credit is due. He hung a lot longer than Bud Heavy. And this match was, uh, this match was actually not bad. Not great, but not bad. Uh, at one point, Agreed. Uh, Gangrel used a sickle, which if you don't know, it's like a farmer's hook for anybody who doesn't know. And he cut Narl's like right across the forehead and you could see it. And then, on top of that, he took one of his fangs and jammed it into the cut. Um, but Naro's hanging tough. He fought back a few times. There was a great spot on the rope where he knocked Gangrel off, and he went for like a you know a splash, if you will, and did not land it. And then Gangrel got him up on the ropes and did an impaler DDT from the second rope. 
to secure the win. And, uh, you know, Gangrel, I'm not sure if he's going to be a one-off or if he's going to have a run. But not going to lie, Gnarls impressed me in this match. He sold well. He also got his spots. And uh, Gangrel, you know, Gangrel being the vet that he was, he got the win. Not a surprise. But I don't think that this beef is over. I think this may be the start of a uh, uh-huh. between these two. Yeah, you like to play. Oh, look at that. Budding rivalry, the beef. Look at that. Well, uh, well done. Well done. Even I, I got to fucking give it up to you on that one. I try. Uh, I try. But I, I fully agree with you. This this was actually way better than, not that I had low expectations, but it's just like, okay, it's Gangrel and it's, it's Gnarls. Let's see what happens. It, it was actually pretty fucking good. I, I better than than I think maybe people would realize. Like everything looked good. The strikes, especially a good Gangrel, that veteran throwing strikes. Guys, if you're a young wrestler, if your strikes aren't good, nothing looks good. I'm telling you right now, you got to throw good strikes. You can't throw these weak little floppy arm. You got to make like like strikes are a theatric part of wrestling watch old wrestling what, what yeah saying. watch watch hulk hogan throw a punch you know what i mean he didn't just sit like you know, he put theatrics into it so i i thought this was pretty pretty fucking good cool to see Gangrel again considering i remember watching his debut like god knows how long ago Still in wwe of all time and now oh yeah it was super cool like coming it's cool. Up and then rafters in the ring of fire still awesome still awesome. it was awesome uh, so you know what hats off to both these guys nice to see gnarls showing a bit more of what he can do a little bit more of a competitive match for gnarls he uh he got that uh, that blood going with the sickle thought it was awesome give us more of this kind of shit mlw if you're gonna if you're gonna bring in an old guy excuse me a veteran guy that's a good way to how, how to use them they both got some shit in you know what i mean gangrel looked good but heavy or excuse me gnarls garvin looked good that's that's how you bring in a, a, a veteran for like a one-off. If, if it's not a one-off, even better. Absolutely, 100%. Now we get another promo. CD's on the phone, and you can't really make out much of what he's saying except for the last line where he says, oh, come on, you can't be, this, you can't be serious. Is this why? Is this because of what I did to Hammer? You can't, you can't be serious. Because of what I did to Hammer? Exactly. And then uh, TJP, <laughs> heel TJP, he interrupts. Uh, he says, uh, you know... Uh, I'll give you credit on the open door, which sucks. <laughs> Says, you know, I, I'm tired of carrying these crayon wearing indie darlings and I need gold. And at that point, EJ and Duca also enters this little promo. And uh, CD says, you know what? I like it. You do up the paperwork and I'll sign it. As in, I'm assuming sign a middleweight title fight. At that point, and Duca injects himself in the conversation. says, no, no. No one gets a title shot before me. Did you see what 5150 did to me? They spray painted me. Uh Uh-uh, man. And CD says, okay, you want a shot at the tag titles? Who's going to be your partner? And EJ says, I don't need a partner. And even if I did, I'm not going to tell you. CD leans back in his chair with his typical smile and his swagger. And he says, two on one, one on two. I don't care. Let's sign it. So we know next week. We're going to get a tag team title fight. That's right. 5150 going to put the straps on the line against either EJ and Duca by himself or possibly with a partner. We don't know who the partner will be, but I'm intrigued. And at that point, CD gets handed a note and the note says something about holiday and hammer. I guess hammer chasing holiday all around the arena. And he goes, they're doing what? And he storms out of his office. And then Duca looks at his hand and says, man, it's not going to even shake my hand. So it looks like TJP and EJ and Duca are both going to get title fights. Now, I thought for sure the way this 
this little you know promo was going to go, I thought CD was going to say, you both get a title shot at 51-50 next week. I thought he was going to pair them together. But it yeah. didn't go that way. But that's the way I thought it was going to go, which was interesting to see Nduka and TJP as a tag team. That would be dangerous. That would be definitely, because you got Nduka to counteract Slice and you got TJP to counteract Danny. So I think that, you know, if they did work that way, that would be a tag team title match I would not mind seeing. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And and one thing I noticed too, maybe it's just being a, a veteran uh, and having done this so many times, like there's a difference between cutting a promo and filming a segment. This was a segment, right? Yeah, like I this wasn't a promo. Happens, but you're right. No, no, I know. Sorry. I, and I, didn't, I don't say that as like a, to correct you in any way. I'm just saying like, some guys can cut promos really well, but they, they're not convincing when they film a segment, when they have to just kind of be a character and not cut a promo. TJP, so natural, strides into CD's office. You didn't feel like he was playing a character. You felt like he was just being himself, and that's the sign of somebody who knows what they're doing. And I love that you guys, Caesar, like the salad. Just little, little, little <laughs> chirp that popped me when he, when he walked right in. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what happens from both of these. I'm wondering if EJ is going to have a partner or if they are going to play the whole two against one deal. I, but then if he wins, what, he's got both tag titles? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So he's got to have a partner. Absolutely. Maybe they'll introduce somebody new, or who knows? Maybe he'll, uh, he'll link up with somebody, uh, maybe carrying, maybe Killer Cross. You don't know. There's options now. The roster is growing, so there are options now. This could also be a debut of somebody new. But all I know is that the judge doesn't really need any help. But if he wants to take the tag straps, he's going to have to get somebody. Who knows? Maybe they do a you know a WWE type thing. They pick somebody out of the audience. Not so much a kid. But maybe they pick a wrestler out of the audience to kind of debut. Uh, they haven't done that in a minute. It would be kind of cool for sure. It absolutely would be. Now, uh, we catch up with Holiday, and he's running down the stairs. He's trying to get out of the arena. He's making a call. I'm assuming to Alicia, because at one point, I believe he said, start the engine. So I'm assuming that means get the limo warmed up. I'm coming out. And at that point, St. Laurent interrupts again and says, listen, Holiday, this micro coffee, it's going to be huge. I just need your signature. I got the paperwork ready. I just need your signature. Holiday says, I don't have time now. I don't have time right now. And at that point, Hammer comes down the stairs, and he grabs Holiday behind the back. Holiday struggles, and now Holiday's shirt is ripped off. So now he's just in pants and his loafers. So, guys, keep that in mind. We lost the jacket earlier. Now we've lost the shirt. Let's see where this goes. Um, and now it's, uh, you know what, it's main event time. But before that, we again, we know April 1st, Aztec Underground is coming back. And uh, we already got some matches. We know that Gino Medina and Aramis will settle their score from what Gino did to Aramis a few weeks ago. They're going to be in a Mexican uh, lumberjack match. But it's a little different because apparently all the lumberjacks outside the ring will have leather straps. So if you roll out the ring, not only are you going to be greeted by the lumberjacks, but you're also going to be greeted by some straps. So I'm interested. You're also going to be greeted by your angry father in the in the 70s. Like, you're going to get whipped with a belt. Well, I mean, I don't know why I said 70s, because my dad whipped out the belt in the 90s, so. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm intrigued by this uh, Mexican Lumberjack match. And also, there is going to be a three-on-three match. We know we're going to see Microman, and I can't remember who else is going to be in the ring, but those those trios matches are always entertaining. So, uh, you know, Aztec Underground coming back April 1st, and I'm looking forward to it. And like I said, main event time. But right before that, uh, CD's henchmen are leaving the ring. I'm assuming to try to track down Holler and Ham Holler, Holler, Hammer and Holiday, Holla, if you hear me. Hammer and Holiday. Holla, I guess, stop that whole run around the arena. 
Uh, Savio Vega's waiting in the wings. He sneaks into CD's office. He starts searching for stuff. He lifts up the briefcase. There's just stacks of money in there. He takes a stack, puts it in his pocket, and then he opens up a little suitcase, like a travel suitcase, and inside is Microman. They talk in Spanish. Microman whispers something in his ear. Savio looks surprised, and they both run out of the office very quickly. So obviously, Microman heard more of that phone conversation than we did, and he told Savio. So Savio now kind of knows what happened, uh, but I guess we'll find that out in the weeks to come. And now, main event time. It is the Stairway to Hell match. Max Kruger walks out. He's looking good. Jacob Fatou walks out. He's looking good. Now, the Stairway to Hell match, for anybody who hasn't watched ECW, uh, two weapons in the center of the ring. If you get a weapon, it does not stop the match. It just gives you an edge in the match. So Kruger's Well, they're, sus- they're suspended over the, the center middle of the ring. ring. Kruger's weapon was, yeah. what was that? It's like a fighting stick? It was uh, kind of like a kendo stick, but not, I guess. It had guess. a little ball on the end of it, like a little hard so that was crew. Oh, oh, that's uh, a shellog, I think it's called. It's like an Irish shellog. Yeah, it's like an Irish yeah, beating right. stick, uh, essentially. To walk out to the ring with it. Yeah, something along Yeah, that. yeah. And Jacob Fatou's weapon of choice was a kendo stick wrapped in barbed wire. So they come out, and right off the bat, Kruger's showing some agility, man. He does a suicide dive through the ropes, and he kind of doesn't take Fatou off his feet, but definitely rings Fatou's bell. These two really impressed me in this match. I mean, Fatou's always impressive, but Kruger actually really impressed me. They did a lot of stuff. They incorporated the weapons early. Uh, those barbed wire shots by Fatou, they had a little oomph to them, a little payback, if you will. And also what was really great was the coast to coast. Kruger in the corner with a chair laid over his face. Fatou goes to the other end of the arena, other end of the ring. With another with chair. chair. And he coast to coast. Kruger, and that busted Kruger open right at the top of his head. He had blood coming out pretty forcefully. And then uh, we get to a kind of ladder situation in the other corner. Uh, Fatou's setting up the ladder, setting up the table, and then Kruger gets off the table. He meets Fatou at the top of the ladder, and he greets Fatou with a suplex through the table off at least a 20-foot ladder. That was awesome. The crowd appreciated it. This is the first time in a while I've heard a This Is Awesome chant in a main event from an MLW crowd. So it was great. And then uh, they both tried to pin each other, kind of half out of it. Both got two counts. Fatou got up first. He was ready to lay out Kruger. And then Quan shows up. Quan shows up, causes the interference. He throws the uh, Shalele into Kruger. He knocks Fatou two ways from Sunday. He hits his finisher, and he wins the match. But you know what? He didn't lay Fatou out too long, midst of cutting his promo, saying that on this day, Contra is now finished. And I will rebuild it in my image with Quan standing beside him. He gets greeted with a chair shot from Fatou. Security comes out, separates the three men. Fatou is escorted in the back, leaving Kruger and Quan in the ring. And this is not over. So this may be the end of their storyline, but these two will, will, in essence, probably fight forever. They will meet again in the ring. Not right now, but they will meet again. But this match, I got to say, I went into it not expecting a whole lot, and they surprised the hell out of me. And again, I went into this expecting not a whole lot with a Jacob for two match because he hasn't been in the ring since Quan called him out after Quan got his ass rocked by EJ and Duca. So Quan chose violence that day. Yeah, there was no ring rust on Fatou, and Kruger impressed the hell out of me. This was Kruger's best performance in an MLW ring since the Black Hand debuted. I will give both men their credit. This was a great match. It, they didn't try too hard, but they did a lot of cool shit, and they incorporated what they had with eight minutes of runtime. They incorporated quite a bit in this match. Would you, where, where uh, do you stand? I fully agree, and I mean, the finish, you put 
Mavs Kruger over, which is which is awesome because you just raised his stock, defeating Jacob Fatu. Fatu didn't look bad because it was the interference that caused him to lose, thanks to exactly. Kuro Kwan. Exactly. Um, you're paving the way for potentially a resurrection or a rebirth of Contra in in, J- in Mads Kruger's image, uh, and you know leaves the door open for there to be more with Jacob Fatu. But I think that the next thing they should run is uh, Jacob Fatu versus Davy Richards, man. The American Wolf versus the Samoan Werewolf. It'll be the Battle of the Wolves. I like it. I like it. They have to incorporate it properly, but absolutely. And that going after Davy Richards puts Fatu right back in the title hunt, which is great because uh, you've got now, if you think about it, exactly. you got kind of Richards, Holiday uh, in the hunt for Hammer's title, but now you incorporate kind of Fatu in. If they can work it, they could do it right. I wouldn't mind seeing those four guys in a fatal four-way. For the title. That's Ooh, nice. that would be awesome. And speaking of Hammer and Holiday, let's catch up with them. They're in the, uh, I guess, loading dock area, if you will, uh, or the, the the alleyway or the walkway to the loading dock area. And Hammer's just strutting. He's like, hey, man, where are you at, Holiday? Holiday's hiding behind a pillar. He's gasping for breath. Hammer sees him, and he goes. They tangle for a bit, and he rips Holiday's pants off. So now Holiday is just left in his loafers and his boxers. And uh, he kicks kind of hammer off of him. He runs through the uh, exit door to a waiting limo with Alicia Altoot. And he kind of does a suicide dive right off the loading dock into the doors as the limo speeds away with hammer giving chase. And this is far from over. So hammer is still the MLW heavyweight champion because he showed up. So the title is not vacated. CD did not get his wish. And now we just have to wait and see how long it takes before Hammer can get his hands on Richard Holiday. It's going to be a fucking match and a half when it happens. Uh, also, kudos to Richard because running in dress shoes, loafers, is not the easiest thing. Those soles are not made for traction. You slip really easily. Anybody who's tried to run in those things can tell you. So the fact that he even made it to the limo, good on him. Uh, I love how they... They worked this through multiple segments for the entire show with, with, you know, Richard ending up in his, in his skivvies. So the build up, it's, they're great at doing these build ups. I can't wait for the culmination of this hammer holiday feud. Yeah, absolutely. The payoff is going to be a big payoff. Absolutely. The culmination will definitely happen after the next run of Azteca underground for sure. But um, it's still going to be great. And these two have so much chemistry when they were in Dynasty together to now being on opposite sides of the proverbial heel face uh, run. I love it. I love everything about it. The build has been steady. The build has been strong. And like I said, MLW, man, as they get to the end of the seasons, they always kick it up. The first couple episodes are kind of meh. They're hard to get through. But man, oh, man, MLW, they know how to build their stories better than anyone else in the game, I will say. They've got WWE and AEW should be watching and learning because these guys really do know how to build a story. And it's not just because we're fans of the product. The product speaks for itself. Like it No, no, this is objectively. Objectively, they build storylines fantastically well. When you look at, they've got a one-hour show compared to other promotions that are running four or five, six hours of wrestling a week. MLW is running Fusion, okay? And they're building these storylines that are keeping us invested with that one hour a week of programming. Uh, they're doing a fantastic job with it. They're their vignettes and segments, like, I'm sorry, some of the other big guys really need to be paying attention. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing things much better. They're better written. They're better performed. 
they're better produced. Like, that's just my honest opinion, my objective opinion. And uh, I, I love that MLW has really kicked it up. As you said, first couple episodes, like any TV series, are always a little, eh. Nothing just like episode one is a banger. But by episode three, four, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in this. So well done, MLW, this week. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. I think that's a great way to end this week's Rewind. So, guys, as always, if you're watching this on YouTube, hey, man, give us a subscribe. We are at 282, or sorry, 482 right now. So we are creeping 18 away from 500, which would be huge. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the subscriber count is strong. Anybody that has subscribed, we thank you. We appreciate you. Not only myself and Rob, but also uh, my daughter, the mini host. Uh, we got great segments with her. And we got a couple big names coming up shortly. A couple, uh, you know, bucket list interviews for us uh, that are coming up. So uh, we're happy uh, with the way everything is going. And uh, like I said, guys, you know, just uh, show us some love and uh, keep hitting those subscriber buttons, the likes, the comments, good or bad. Uh, we appreciate it all, you know, unless it's a comment that's derogatory to myself, Rob, or my daughter. I never post those comments. But hey, you got negative feedback you want to give us on? Hey, or just don't take shots. At it, us. That's all. If you want to, if you want to come at two grown men with criticism, that's fine. If you're going to go after a child, you are a very low human being, and that's all I'm going to say on the matter. Absolutely. Which is why, uh, you know, out of respect for my kid, I've turned the comments off because, you know, people, as much as people could be really, they could have amazing things to say. I don't want to chance it because I don't want to bring her down into the negativity that is the. Don't internet. blame you. But again, you. you know, straight talk resting on YouTube, straight talk resting on Instagram, straight talk resting on Facebook and at underscore straight talk on Twitter. And of course, you can find us on all audio podcast platforms. And Rob, shout out your socials one time, my friend. You know, I'm uh, the real Uncle Bobby B on Instagram and uh, on Twitter. I'm the underscore real underscore uncle. No, is it uncle underscore Bobby underscore B underscore? Yeah, Jesus. Nobody's typing that shit. You don't use it anyway, so who cares? I know. I have like 38 on, on notifications. That's where you can slide into Instagram. The slide in those DMs. Guys, I will let you know that we are still working uh, on securing one half of the club couple, but schedules have not linked up. But I told you we would get them, and we will. We're working on one half of them, so we will get them. We're getting, the, again, one half of the cloud couple, not the couple's name that Rob came up with last week. I'm not even going to... Holatoot. Yeah. Okay. Holatoot. Hashtag Holatoot. It's not going anywhere. You're the only one that says it. The only one. What about, like... No, that doesn't work. Exactly. All right, guys. Peace. Love the only one that works. We'll see you next time. I'm not going to. Adios. I'm not even going to give you ownership for it. I'm not. I'm stopping. Holitude. Oh, my God. Hashtag Holitude. <sighs> Peace out, guys. Later. <laughs>